0: Everyone, You're listening to the Book and Film Globe podcast. I am Neil Pollock, editor-in-chief of Book and Film Globe, www.bookandfilmglobe.com. We cover the worlds of books and film and streaming TV and all other kinds of content as well. And I'm happy to bring you this fine program. This week, we're going to talk to Stephen Garrett about two new movies that are out now. The Flash from DC and Elemental from Pixar. We have some critical things to say about those films but we're critics, so we're supposed to say critical things. However, Rebecca Kirsten has nothing critical to say about the new season of Outlander. An Outlander fan rarely has, has criticisms. Outlander is pure and good, and it is now available to watch on Stars. The new season has started. Rebecca got to see a preview of it at the Tribeca Film Festival, and we'll talk to her about that experience. And now I'm going to talk to Chris Farnsworth, a novelist and a book critic for us, who eulogized novelist Cormac McCarthy this week in our pages Cormac McCarthy has passed away and we're going to talk about him right after this brief musical interlude well after this week I am definitely the greatest living American writer Because Cormac McCarthy has passed away in his late 80s, uh, died peacefully in his home in New Mexico, and Chris Farnsworth wrote a lovely tribute to Cormac McCarthy and his works for us. One of the, I would say, there are a lot of tributes to Cormac McCarthy online. Uh, Chris's was definitely one of the best, and if not the best, and he is here today to talk to me about Cormac McCarthy. Hello, Chris. Hello, Neil.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, you know your your competition is definitely winnowed down.
0: Yeah, that's it's fun. like it's like I guess you could say Don DeLillo. Um, you know, I suppose Joyce Carol Oates, but uh, you know, be other than that, I mean, there's a bunch of Jonathan's. But I'm 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 I think I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I mean Thomas good. Thomas Pynchon's still out there. Oh, that's you're true. gonna
1: have to you're gonna have to go after him. But I I'm, think gonna,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna outlast him, though. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but we're not here to talk about my ascendancy to the peak of right. American Literature. We're here to talk about uh, Cormac McCarthy. And you know, it's funny, um, I don't know if you saw this, but suddenly there's a bunch of Cormac McCarthy books on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, And there have been, you know, he's been a bestseller before The Road was a huge hit and obviously No Country for Old Men. Mm -hmm. uh, Sold a lot of copies after the Coen Brothers movie came out. But it's interesting that Blood Meridian is the one that's peaking now. It's in the top ten on the New York Times. And I'm just thinking, like, people who are Taking Blood Meridian to the beach are in for a rude awakening. <laughs>
1: they really are. They really you know? are. It's not. It's not light reading by any means. It's. it's yeah. Hard stuff.
0: I it's mean, like... even even Sutri is on the bestseller list, and, and I never thought Sutri would even sniff. Uh, you know that anything but the remainder bin at like the used bookstore at this point. I mean, I right. love that book, but I mean, my God,
1: death is one of the best things you can do for your career, honestly. That as a as a writer, if you if you are if you go out big enough, then yeah, everybody suddenly wants to find out what they were missing the whole time. I think the, th- the same thing happened with Martin Amos a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I, but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say this. It, it, I don't know how much bigger I could, I could possibly get in depth, yeah. but I guess I'll try it out at some point. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, yeah, you know, that's a good point comparing uh, Martin Amos and Cormac McCarthy. I mean, they were I mean, talk about very very different writers. Uh, you know, they're of a you know, similar generation and they are writers who had long and um, extremely um, distinguished careers. Um, but, you know, but I'd say more than Amos, you know, McCarthy's just an American writer and he's had several very successful adaptations of his books into films, uh, which right. is something you really can't say about Amos. And, you know, I was just kind of amazed at the... Uh, and how much influence he had on people. Maybe it's just because I have a bunch of writers in my social media feed. Uh, you know, I, 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 the people weren't talking about Cormac McCarthy at the poker room when I went. Uh, right. But they, right, right. You know what I mean? Like they weren't. They weren't talking right. about. They weren't talking about him on the card junket I just went on. Um, right. But among writers, I mean, he's extremely revered.
1: Yeah, no, I was surprised even how many of my uh, how many of my friends uh, seemed like genuinely choked up and saddened by uh, by his loss. I I mean, I knew that a lot of people uh, liked his work, but I didn't really understand how pivotal it was for a lot of people that I know that they are that this was the thing that shook them up. And, you know, his books were the things that really shook them up the first time they read them. And that here was a guy who was doing something. That you know showed the opened up bigger possibilities, bigger skies for them to to work against
0: and as so, writers. It's so interesting because you know you you're a fiction writer. I have also mm-hmm. do, more than dabbled in the dark art <laughs> writing myself. But you know, it's, I and, and I look, I admire Cormac McCarthy uh as a as a wordsmith and a stylist and as a storyteller. But I wouldn't say that I wouldn't call him an influence. You know, no, like I'm neither, not, yeah, neither would you neither right? would I.
1: Yeah. No, I mean I like I like I say, um I, I, in the in the contest, you know, for grand champion heavyweight uh American novelist, I would I would say that Thomas Pynchon always filled that role for me. But I mean, like you say, yeah, I admired I admired his style. I was always uh incredibly impressed at his ability to create such um hallucinogenic imagery. And it was, it was very much like his work was very much like poetry. It created mood and feeling and emotion. And then just this, but it's just unbelievably horrific, stark violence. I mean, I don't think all of the, all of the tributes out there, you know, they all mention, Oh, he, he wrote some very, some very harsh stuff, but I mean, I don't, yeah. Like you say, people who are cracking these books for the first time are just going to be incredibly shocked.
0: Yeah. Gore, gorgolore incest, mm-hmm. incest lots of that lots of a lot of that a you know, lot of it's a lot of dark psychology I mean he you know he didn't invent the serial killer but Anton Chigur, uh, from no country from old men uh, is you know one of the most sadistic uh, killers ever put to page
1: right and he's terrifying I mean he's terrifying because he just seems like this force of nature he seems like bedrock that you just cannot negotiate with or compromise with. He just, he's a, he's a force of nature. And um, all of every other serial killer, like from, you know, Hannibal Lecter on down next to Chigurh is, uh, it seems weak and sad and, you know, not at all scary.
0: Yeah. And, you know, also let's, in addition to uh, Westerns, which was sort of McCarthy's Mm -hmm. stock and trade, he also, I think wrote the absolute template, which has been often, uh, copied too often, copied I think for the apocalypse novel,
1: with absolutely with, yeah, The Road with yeah. The
0: Road, and you know I mean The Road is a brilliant work, and it, you know there's not a wasted uh, image or, or word or or moment in the book. Mm-hmm. But my God, what a an absolutely bleak, depressing, and horrible thing to read.
1: Yeah, I mean I the I read The Road just as my wife was pregnant with our first child. And at the end of it, I was like, honey, I'm going to go out in the back and I'm going to be burying some guns and some food and locking and getting more locks for the doors because life is useless and we're bringing a child into this horrible world and what were we possibly
0: thinking? Maybe you should have been listening to the song The End of the Road instead. <laughs> much more uh, much more optimistic. I mean, it's sad, but much more optimistic overall. Yeah. What, overall.
1: What's inter- what was interesting to me about The Road too, though, is that it's like that... There is this genuine um, affection and love that you see between the father and son that uh, that you don't really see in some of his other works. You see, you know, a lot of horror and a lot of um, a sort of bleakly naturalistic view of human nature that, that we're all just kind of terrible, terrible animals and uh, who happen to have brains above our stations. But um, in The Road, you see this father... You know, doing everything he can to make the life of his son as comfortable as he can for the last few, you know, days, weeks, whatever that they have left.
0: Well, and then I remember at the end, too, they run across that family when they finally get west. And that that family also, you know, uh, they're also still human, you know. Right.
1: Right. And that's yeah. And it's it was uh, I guess that for him is a ray of hope because there isn't much of that in. McCarthy's other work that's that's yeah, it's like he's going soft there.
0: Yeah, I mean to some extent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Regardless, you know, I mean look, I I always I feel like writers go when when one of their own dies, particularly one who is far superior to them, I feel like writers sure. they go they go a little nutso on social media and you know, mm-hmm. I I you see it on my I, every time someone dies I I talk about how they're the reason I became a writer. Um, right. It doesn't matter who they are. It could be the, it could be, you know, Charo or the Iron Sheik or, you know, right. Henry or whatever. And I, and I feel, but and I know people people don't seem to understand that like, this is this, he's not them, you know, and mm-hmm. uh you know, he, he, but he does stand on his own. And uh you know, and I, I found myself, uh I was a little surprised by all the tributes to Martin Amos as well. Like really that mm-hmm. much, Um you know, and then I asked my yeah. son and his friends about about him, and they're like, "Who?"
1: Right, right. I think uh, the I think Amos. I mean, I really like Amos's work. Uh, I think the big difference is Amos loved the literary world; he grew up in it, and he was, you know, he was he looked like he was just absolutely having the time of his life all the time. I mean, he was, you know, he was rich, he was famous, he was uh, celebrated mm-hmm. as an author, and yeah. um, whereas McCarthy, he was a, a bon vivant, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really seemed to be enjoying it and he didn't seem to care that much about immortality. Um, but McCarthy, you know, I mean, was what I admire about him is he was absolutely uncompromising. I had, he just wrote exactly what he wanted and he did not care at all about its reception. Um, didn't care. And he was perfectly willing to live in poverty and did. And then when he became, you know, wealthy and uh, celebrated, it didn't change his output at all.
0: Yes, his final works, two novels that came out earlier this year, or was it last year, recently? Uh,
1: end it? of last year, yeah.
0: Within the last no, year. No, 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 this year, this year, in the okay. last year. It was, it was a, a short paired set of books about uh, an incestuous rela- family relationship. Um, right, right. That, that was his coda. That was his, that was his wistful farewell to the world. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's like, it is like it is almost like he knew the time was winding down. And he had one more thing to say. So, um, that's, you know, that's impressive for any writer that you, that you, that you finish the big work right before you go. Um, and the, and again, the, the writing, the stylism, the style, the, uh, the sentences are so
0: incredibly evocative. Uh, yeah. Although inaccessible and weird at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Except so weird. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, it's, 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 and I mean, it's that, it's that constant, you know, tension and struggle between a writer. Do you want to write something that is exactly what you want to hear? Or is, are you trying to make a point that other people are going to understand as well? My um, constant,
0: my constant struggle is, is trying to find time, enough time to watch all the TV there is in the world.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And really, sleep in in the morning,
0: you know. Well, I mean, I don't trust a writer who doesn't sleep in. <laughs> right. Unless you've got, unless you've got to like take the car in, or like yeah. maybe maybe you could only get a morning dentist appointment or something. I don't. Mm. No excuses. You're, you're not. You're not a business person. You know. Right. You're not running a corporation. The whole point yeah. of being a writer is sleeping late. As far as I exactly. Concerned. I don't exactly. know what Cormac McCarthy's sleeping habits were. Now they're permanent. <laughs> RIP <laughs> RIP Cormac McCarthy thanks for clearing some space for me and yeah. uh, thank you Chris Farnsworth for uh, talking to me about him and uh, for writing about him on Book and Film another Timeline. thank you so much
1: another, another universe
2: so why do you want to stay and fight to save this one because this is the world where
1: my mom lives I'm not going to lose her again
0: Time has a pattern, that it can't help living. different people, different worlds. Stephen Garrett is our chief film critic in this timeline and in any other timeline that I've visited for Book and Film Globe. He's always there watching movies, reviewing movies, and he's here to talk about two movies this week, one of which I have seen and one of which I will never see. The one I have seen is The Flash. I, in fact, just got back from a screening of it at the Alamo Draft House here in Austin, Texas. And Stephen saw it fairly recently. And uh, we'll talk about The Flash first. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Hello. So The Flash. Okay. Here's the deal, right? This is the fifth multiverse superhero movie we've seen. Fourth or fifth multiverse superhero movie we've seen in the last year. And... You know, I'm, I'm oh, feeling a little right. multiverse fatigue, aren't you? Yeah.
3: Oh, my God. Well, I, I have for years. I mean, that's what's fascinating about the new Spider-Man movie coming out, because that was five years ago the first one was, and that, I feel, was the first multiverse, at least in recent movie yes. times, right?
0: Yeah, they reintroduced it. Marvel reintroduced the multiverse idea in the Loki TV show, and then pretty much most of their movies since then have had some sort of multiverse angle, and then there is this new Spider-Man Uh, movie which is super multiverse and now now dc has gotten into the multiverse game uh by basically like i mean i know the flash has been in other movies but this is basically his first movie his real introduction you know it's where we see his origin story we learn about his backstory and there's still all these multiverse machinations and it's it's exhausting honestly
3: well but i think what's kind of it, i guess you know this is damning with faint praise, but it, I, I don't feel like it's exactly the same conceit with the multiverse here. This is much more of the butterfly effect. If you go back in time and do one thing, it alters the course of so many different things, and you may not be able to get back to that original timeline.
0: Yeah, well, and, and back to the future is, is referenced in the movie, and I'm just going to give everything away. I don't care. But the way that The Flash finds out he's no longer in his universe is that Eric Stoltz plays Marty McFly. In this universe, right. Eric, Eric Stoltz was originally going to be Marty McFly in Back to the Future, and then they, they kind of cha- they recast it at the last second. So, you know, that was that was kind of a, a, a clever uh, conceit. And there, there, there are other things that uh, I'll, you know, there's a lot of clever stuff. I mean, the you know, the trailers gave it all away. Michael Keaton is back as Batman. He has an old Batman, old sort of retired Batman, like he's defe- already defeated Jack Nicholson. And Danny DeVito. Yeah. In, in He's this an universe. emotionally
3: defeated Batman. Uh, he seems to have given up, you know, which is just an odd. But how amazing, though, that they, you know, he lives in his old mansion and it's the Anton First Mansion and the Anton First Bat Cave and, you know, his Batmobile. They brought it all back from 1989. It's amazing. Like, if you're going to overspend yeah. on CGI, then the fanboy in me is very happy that you did it that way because that was thrilling.
0: Sure. And he wears his, his original bat suit and he, they use, they use the uh, Danny Elfman music and all that is cool. And there are other little touches in this too. Like you get a glimpse of, you know, a obviously digitally enhanced Christopher Reeve uh, and, and Helen Slater. Uh, you get to see uh, a sort of 1940s black and white serial Superman. Um, and then the ultimate Easter egg for um, comic book movie fans, you finally get to see Nicolas <laughs> Cage as superman because there was there's there was a nick cage superman project that almost got made and then didn't and then they throw us back. Right. so but the, but Bites most of burden. the movie involves the flash running around in one version or another trying to fix the mess he's made the problem i have and, and,
3: with, and only making it worse right like he keeps going back and he and he, as he keeps trying to make it better right the wrong it just makes it
0: worse yeah exactly well liked, you know? the problem is the major problem i have with this movie is ezra miller's performance i felt like he was i, I found him extremely annoying to watch and you know and, and it's not like he didn't ha- it's not like he can't act i mean he, he's able to display a, a wide range of emotions but i just it was just it was just awfully mannered
3: really i i don't know i you know i i actually have always liked his previous appearances yeah, I never, you know, it bothered me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, don't I, know. I, I was kind of like, I, just, I, just, I mean, he's not, had his ups and downs of personal life and mental illness stuff, blah, blah, blah. I've never really cared too much to find out too much about it. Um, certainly it should be addressed and taken seriously. But as as an actor in a movie, I thought he was actually, you know, quite charming and a little manic and a little on the spectrum. But I, I found it endearing.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would I would have <laughs> liked a little bit. I, I like the, uh, the TV version of The Flash. He's kind of a gee whiz, all-American boy. Um, and I, I just, I just found, I just found the character. He was just a little weird. He was a little weird, and I don't feel like I think it's going to be hard for that character to connect with audiences uh, on on a, a wide level. And I also, the the w- young woman who plays Supergirl, woman, man, whatever uh, the whatever version of super person they have in this movie, uh, she looked nice in the suit, um, but I. Found her extremely uncharismatic as well. You know, and, and I, th- I thought that a lot, sorry, any scene with her really felt. <laughs> she did. Yeah, yeah, which is fine, but she fell flat. Like, she's not. But how great was
3: uh, Michael Keaton's little arc there? I kind of liked seeing him as an older Batman. He totally committed to it. He clearly was having fun. And, and I thought they did some interesting things with his character, you know? Uh, so I, I appreciated what they did.
0: Yeah, it's like it's Michael Keaton, you know. And most things he's in, every moment he's on the screen is is captivating. (laughs) It was fun, and there were some good. There was a lot of CGI nonsense, but there were some good action set pieces. There was lots of humor, lots of sort of wink, wink Easter eggs. I mean, it it was not. This is not a disaster by any means, and I think it sets up the new James Gunn DC universe uh, pretty well. You know, and I think that if if this had been The first multiverse movie through the gate, if they'd gotten this thing out and made in 2016 or 2017, I think it would have been a monster hit. Mm. Uh, I just feel like it's the timing of the DC's timing is always terrible. The timing of this couldn't be worse coming out after that incredibly popular and successful Spider-Man movie, which this resembles. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. True. So I just felt Absolutely. like I was watching the same. I, I felt
3: like I was- they're the Hertz rent car of uh, of uh, comic book uh, studios. Yeah, for sure. Movies like they just they are never going to be Avis. They are they're just always number twos. They always feel like also rans. I don't know when DC's boy and they you know they they invented it the modern superhero movie right. With, the first Superman back in late '70s. It was nice to see Christopher Reeve pop up.
0: Yeah, and they just they just keep uh, he kind of keep tripping over their cape, as it were. <laughs> uh, but the Flash is out now. It, it's not a disaster if you're a fan of D- if you're a fan of DC. If you're a completist, you're gonna like this. Um, and if you, you know, I, I, there was a, there was a, a guy coming out of this. Uh, there was a, like a guy in his '30s coming out of the movie with his his old pop was walking with a cane he's like what'd you think of the movie and dad was like oh, it was interesting a lot of good action I'm like, oh my god why are all old dads the same why are they all the same when you take them to the movies that's the kind of shit my dad used to say when you go to the movie i'm like no let's have a you know, if i if my son if i'm 75 if i'm 75 and my son takes me to some movie i'm some you know franchise movie i'll be like wow well, you have to understand; it was based on the Flashpoint comic books, and then I did this, and then he'd, be like, he'd still be like, "Shut up, Dad!" But at least, at least, I'd be coming at it from an informed. Amen. All right, so let's let's switch gears and let's talk about uh, the movie. That, yeah, let's talk about the movie that you reviewed on the site this week, Elemental. Oof. Uh, which is a new Pixar movie. I did not see this. I, I know I don't have to see these movies anymore. I, I don't have kids. I don't have to go, I don't have to sit through this crap anymore. Oh, my new jacket. Earth can be a little seedy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird going on here. Uh, just a little pruning. Water is always getting into something.
3: <sighs>
0: and fire? Uh, you you were you know you gave this a rare two star review. I mean something's got to really have problems for you to take off that that third star.
3: It's pretty sloppy and lazy. You know it's interesting. I was kind of looking back on, on the Pixar. It's a very mediocre Pixar movie. The the first Pixar's been around for almost thirty years now. The first fifteen years there were there was one sequel. Everything else were original films, original ideas, not based on anything previous. Blah 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 blah. The last 15 years, the last 13 years, there have been eight sequels. I mean, the tank is running dry. They are just not coming up with good ideas. I don't know if it was all John Lasseter. I'd hate to think that it was. uh, But it is just they don't really bear down and focus on story the way they used to. They used to have such great stories. Full of surprise, grounded in its own reality. It doesn't have to be real. You know, Cars talked, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Cars. I think that was the beginning of the end for me. But um, there, there's a version of Elemental out there that could have worked if they had cared enough to really say, OK, what works in the story and what doesn't? This thing is so lazy, so sloppy, kind of half-assed, really obvious, stupid plot points. And the basic concept, which I kind of spent too much time talking about in the review, is just so flawed, so deeply, deeply flawed. It's a broken metaphor of the movie. You're just like, what are you saying? you know elements are
0: not adversaries you know right they work together to create the planet basically <laughs> uh, there's no it's like what is it earth wind and fire are the are the three
3: oh. earth <laughs> no. air wind and fire <laughs> the like movie. they're not like you know they're they're all very different but you know they work in harmony you know and and immigrants aren't all adversarial like there is some tension but like there is this is such a false equivalence it's so beyond frustrating and it because of it it just it, it's a cascading event of problems in the story because it just doesn't support itself.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess enough. Uh, that's all we really need to say about, about, <laughs> about that particular film, although you did make it. Well, well no, but you, you made an interesting point when we were chatting, um, doing our, our, our pregame chatter in, in that uh, other companies have lapped Pixar, you know, Pixar kind of peaked around the era of the Incredibles and Wally and up. Right. Um, and there are other uh, animation companies that are ahead now.
3: Well, I mean, you know, you have Spider Verse out, and that's that's just astounding in terms of the imagination, in terms of how it's reconceiving what animation can be on the screen, you know. Uh, and they're really, really tight storytelling. I mean, they 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 really care, you know. I did not see Super Mario Brothers, but clearly, a billion dollars at the box office—they're doing something right. I've not been a fan of Illumination as a as a as a studio, but you know, all the all the. You know, Minions movies and Gru movies, Despicable Me, people love them. And they are kind of fun and witty, if a bit kind of gaudy. But, boy, these guys are eating Pixar's lunch. I don't know what's happened to Pixar. You know, it is, it is odd. It is very odd. But, you know, it's, it's the not everybody's got the – apparently everybody else has a secret sauce. You know, they know how to crowd please. Pixar used to be so good at storytelling and it's all about well, storytelling and they had the technology down. They do in this movie, Pixar, you know, like elemental looks great. The animations is astounding, but the storytelling is just so
0: dumb. I think it's interesting, right? Like if you look back at the golden era of, uh, Pixar movies, uh, there were some, the competing animation was stuff like Shrek, right? And right. Shrek was obviously extremely popular, but it was considered, uh, to be not, uh, Animation for smart people, right? It was kind <laughs> exactly. of pop- populist garbage. Yeah, um, but I feel like you know, but but Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which I watched recently, it's on Peacock now, is is a lot of fun, and that's still that's like the remaining strands from the Shrek universe, and somehow, some way, the Shrek universe has passed Pixar wow. in terms of storytelling wow. and fun wow. to watch. Yeah. I don't understand. It.
3: They need like a Phil Lord and Chris Miller type. They need some like That's a good
0: that's a deep observation, right? You know, that's like
3: yeah, they just need somebody who knows how to have fun, who loves seeing these kinds of movies and wants to see these movies instead of like it just it feels like a labor instead of a labor of love. It just feels like a labor. Whoever's making these Pixar movies. You know, they have this the little short film we talked about, you know, with the old guy from uh, Up. And it is one of the most embarrassing shorts I've seen uh pixar make and it was just uh, tedious to watch and cringy because up is a lovely movie and this is just it's just kind of mm, soiling it's you know
0: it's it's uh
3: legacy uh,
0: so uh i'm gonna go back in time and stop <laughs> pixar from making elemental i'm gonna run real fast <laughs> please do we're real slow please do at this point, I'm I'm gonna have to be like the slowest man alive. I, I'm sure I'm I'm certainly getting there soon. I don't want to get hit by lightning, but may, maybe I can be like I can like yeah, fall, I can like fall fall in the pool or something. Maybe if you go too slow,
3: you'll you'll be le- launched into the future.
0: That would be amazing. I, I just hope that. Um, you know, in the future, there's still lots of uh, lots of TV to watch. That's all that matters. <laughs> I have to go back in time to stop Ken Jennings from winning on Jeopardy, so I can I can take his place in the pantheon. <laughs> I would watch that movie. I would absolutely watch that movie. Oh man, I'm gonna oh, write it. Be. I'm gonna. I'm in my oh, mind. I've written it already in my mind many times. All right, Stephen Garrett. Uh, thank you so much. The Flash and Elemental are in theaters now, and will be on Max and Disney Plus probably within the next two weeks or something.
3: Yeah, right, exactly
0: All right, thanks I'm not as brave as I was before you, can. not brave enough to live without you anymore
3: We will make it back here one day, won't we?
1: assassination there's unrest in the streets if you are not noticed
3: washington desperately needs soldiers up at fort ticonderoga
0: i love this land i want to fight for it i'd hoped that jamie would stay away from it but maybe he's supposed to be there maybe he the walks. Droughtlander is over a new season of outlander premieres well, as I'm talking, it premieres tonight, or it's probably already sitting there on stars. Uh, you know, 90 percent of passionate Outlander fans have already watched the premiere of what I believe is season seven. But our correspondent, our Outlander correspondent, Rebecca Curson, saw uh, a preview of Outlander uh, of the new of the new season at uh, at the was it the Tribeca Film Festival was it New York Comic Con. Where did you see it, Rebecca?
2: Uh, it was actually they have done things at Comic Con in the past. This time it was at the Tribeca Film Festival.
0: Uh, so it was at the Tribeca Film Festival, and she wrote it up for us. Um, and you know, you're a um, you're a passionate a fan of Outlander. I, I would I would say. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, you waited in line. You didn't have a press pass. We don't. You know, we're 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 not as. Oh, I did. Oh, you did have a press pass. Okay.
2: I did have a press pass. Uh, the problem was that. This um, premiere was so popular that they refused to give seats to press passes. You had to get a ticket. You d- so I thought I'll
0: just wait in line and see what happens. Well, it makes for a better story, right? I mean, you waited in line for how, how <laughs> for how many hours? Three and a half hours. Yeah, that's that, that's that's like South by Southwest level dedication. Uh, yeah, and uh, in in the rain, right? In- it rained. Well. In New York City,
2: we had just had last week the orange sky uh, situation, so we got all the smoke coming from Canada. So we were so excited, oh, it's gonna rain, and then it was torrential rain uh, for much of uh, Friday night, and I was outside in it.
0: Well, I mean, so. it's kind of appropriate for Outlander, which which reason, I know that the recent seasons are are set in um, in on the east coast of North America, but uh, you know, the show is sort of Scottish in heritage. So so rain is part of the experience, right?
2: In in fact in one of the earliest episodes, um Jane pulls Claire onto his horse and he's and it's pouring and he says, Oh, it's a fine night for a ride and she's thinking are you crazy? Uh, but yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it, what it made me think of. Is that oh, it's a fine night for a premiere. I may as well be standing here in the rain. Right,
0: and you uh, you posted some photos. There, there was a woman playing the bagpipes. Uh, yes, and there were some other other sort of people were in costume. Not every not as many okay. not as many as you think. Uh, Comic Con, it's almost a hundred percent are in
2: some sort of. Um, very scottish outfit or a colonial type of garment <laughs> right garment.
0: right Kil- kilts or kilts and corsets
2: <laughs> i would love to see some more kilts but it's mostly corsets. yeah
0: unfortunately well it i mean and again i don't want to i don't want to stereotype here but you know atlander is the series of books in the show it's you know it's a i would classify it as woman's show in this fan base. Like most of the Outlander fans who I know are my wife included are, 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 are women.
2: Yes. There was, I saw um, a couple in front of me, a male and female. So I think he was there just to, to be a good husband.
0: Um, And so he did wait with her. When, when I watch Outlander with Regina on occasion, I'm always like, wait, what year are they in now? That's pretty much the extent of my. Yes. Which one we're of these who went back yes,
2: to time? We're in 1775 actually Were they in
0: 1775 So the American so as Outlander season 7 dawns the American Revolution uh is starting and uh Jamie Lannister or whatever his name is uh is <laughs> <laughs> different That's a
2: different universe oh. a different
0: Jamie He's getting um. with his golden arm is getting is getting <laughs> Is getting drawn in to to the conflict, there, despite the fact that all he wants to do is like live on his farm and raise tobacco or whatever he's doing now.
2: Yeah, he's. This is actually it's so sad. It's the second country where basically he just wanted to farm and have a peaceful life, and in both countries he's been pulled into a war, um, not of his own making.
0: Yeah, and uh, and Claire, our time traveling heroine, is trying is is like a secret doctor secret lady doctor of some sort well yes
2: in her own time she actually went to harvard medical school uh one of the first female doctors uh to graduate but when she returns uh she just has to pass herself off as a healer Mm. and she brings with her um uh a few things like medical tools she also creates penicillin oh um and so she just sort of this idea like should you change the past her feeling is absolutely if i can prevent suffering with my knowledge i will make an antibiotic
0: that can cure people it, um and she does yeah it, she's uh she's uh, it's the she's butterfly aff- affecting we talked about the flash earlier on, in this episode it's not i, I the, the outlander is a little bit slower paced um and there's a lot more um he, a, a bosom heaving for lack of a <laughs> A fair amount, yes. <laughs> at, at, at least when I've seen it, there's always a heaving bosom, and someone's always trying to get revenge on on their rapist or their their mur- or so someone the murderer of someone. Uh, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like high pitched kind of a uh, you know. It's like I wouldn't say it's it's uh it's not romance novel. It's more like the kind of drama you used to see on like classic miniseries, right? Uh, back yes. back in the day, right? Because it's 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 a higher quality than a romance novel.
2: It it is uh, partly because the the history side of it is is accurate and the medical details are endlessly interesting. So there's a lot more than just sort of people ripping each other's corsets uh, asunder,
0: uh, as it were. Well, uh, there's a. T- other things going on well you have the source material the diana gabaldon books you know she's an actual writer mm-hmm. and um, you know so to speak i don't want to demean romance writers but she's closer to a literary novelist i would say sort of like in the bernard cornwell vein and uh you know Ro- ronald moore the executive producer of the show one of the executive producers of the show you know created Battlestar galactica and other mm-hmm. shows so we you know this is like you know outlander is a is a premium product right
2: it is. It's also um, so many of the other details. For example, just the costumes and the sets are so beautifully done. That's what the cast actually remarked on. When they when we watched the episode, they kind of surprised us. The cast was sitting in the front row, which nobody knew. And it was actually their first time seeing the episode as well. And the first thing that Sam Hewen said is, this looks incredible. He said the, the costumes, the sets. Everything looks so real, you don't realize that when you're filming it, just how fantastic it's
0: going to look at the end. Right. So, you know, it's a first-rate production. Uh, I, I, will, I want to talk about Sam Hugan real quick. You know, he, he, I mean, he and Katrina Balfe are, are, are the stars. You know, he uh, yes. man, he plays he plays an outsized role in my personal life. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah. You know? Yeah, he's a per- looking person he's yes it's hard to compete
0: I, I, yeah. but
2: he was so lovely and very very uh funny and personable for
0: a while um, for a while my wife was doing his exercise program <laughs> he has a whole oh, yes, I, we is, both. Is it yeah. yes we've I, all done I, that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was. Lead, I, I think I don't. I think you know he does an introductory video. I don't think he actually leads the workouts, but um, but but you know that she stuck with that for longer than most of those things because it was his. And, and we've decided that his whiskey is too expensive.
2: Um, <laughs> it may be, but he he actually does. Um, they all cast yeah, does actually drink quite a bit, so which they reference and talk about constantly. The
0: characters or the actors. Both. Yeah.
2: It's, it's a big thing um on the set and they they frequently joke with each other who drinks the most and it's actually it's katrina is the spoiler enough. there it's katrina she's, yeah she's irish
0: she's irish right she's
2: irish yes yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So you got an irish and a scottish person as the leads in the show it's it's, it's a wonder they're all still alive honestly
2: they're actually um incredibly close i've had the, the, just sort of the delight of being able to see them on so many different um, comic cons and other places. And they all genuinely like each other. They're very funny. They tease each other. They're, they're very much a family. And Sam and Katrina, I, I, it's so rude of me to talk about them by their first names, but they've become uh, producers on the show as well. So they, yeah. they have a big investment in um, keeping the group like a family um, and a big investment in keeping the show going for one more season past this massive, this this season is huge. Sixteen
0: episodes. Oh my, that's a that that that's a lot for a streaming show for a modern streaming show. I mean, that's 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 a that's four months of stars. We have to, you know, I've only got six episodes of Party Down to watch. I'm going to be done with that by Sunday.
2: The, well, I think it's because the COVID season was so short. Also, Katrina was pregnant um, when they were uh, filming season six, so it was as good as reason as any to to stop filming.
0: I just love Outlander fandom. You know, it's it's like, and and the, the way the cast is always showing up at all these events. You know, it's more like um, like Star Trek than like the superhero movies, where sometimes you feel like the the, the people of the superhero movies are just kind of checking a, a publicity box that they have to, you know. Whereas, whereas this is this is like a, a universe onto its own.
2: That's a good point because uh, David Barry was there, and he wasn't part of the panel. He was just there. And one of the new actors who's, i forgetting his name. Um, he's going to be playing uh, one of the Quaker characters. There's a brother and sister coming on. And he was there for, for no reason other than he thought it would be awesome to be there. Wow. Uh,
0: so, it, yes, yeah.
2: yeah, it, it was really nice.
0: That's that, that's a rare thing. All right. Well, Outlander season seven, all 16 episodes of it. I guess it's going to be on all summer and, and into the fall. The leaves will turn. The leaves, the leaves will turn, the revolution will churn, uh, Outlander will still be on your TV, and, and it airs on Stars in the U.S. I'm not, I'm not sure where it airs, and some of the other, uh, we have listeners all over the world, um, but uh, if, you, if you watch Outlander, you're going to know.
2: Yeah, well, it actually has uh, eight episodes this year and uh, eight next year. They have to break it up a little bit.
0: Okay, um, so it's season seven, part one.
2: Part one, exactly. And um, it should be, uh, there's going to be a ton of stuff happening because uh, we already know that Willie, um, uh, Jamie's uh, son, is returning. And we know, of course, there's a war coming. And what will that mean for Jamie's allegiance? So there's tons of stuff
0: happening. Yes. Plus plus magical time travel.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, there'll be more of that, too. Also uh, yes, Brianna may have to. That's strongly hinted that she um, and her family are going to have to return to the stones.
0: Oh, as as the world turns in Outlander. All right. Uh, well, if if you know, you know. Rebecca Curson, you know. And thank you so much for for covering it for us.
2: Okay. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Rebecca Curson. Outlander is. Now airing on Stars. put on your kilt if you've got one, drink some whiskey, and enjoy the show. Also thanks to Steven Garrett for talking to me about The Flash and Elemental. The Flash will probably be on Max pretty soon, and Elemental will probably be on Disney Plus pretty soon, but they are currently in theaters. See them at your own risk. I want to go back in time and not see them, which is uh, something I can do because I've already seen the movies, and that's how time travel works. Also, thanks to Chris Farnsworth for talking to me about the late Cormac McCarthy, who has passed away and was eulogized in our pages and in other pages, but best in our pages. I am Neil Pollack. I am the editor-in-chief of Book and Film Globe, www.bookandfilmglobe.com. Thank you for reading the site and for listening to our fine program. I will talk to you next week.